to the CNBC Podcast. The CNBC Podcast is a ministry where we explore how Jesus is at work in and around our world. Calvary Monument Bible Church is a body of Christ called by Jesus to love, live, and lead for God's glory. We desire to grow in a greater love for God and a greater love for those He's placed in our pathways. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Calvary Monument Bible Church, we would invite you to check us out online at www.calvarymonument.org. I'm Pastor Chris Lenhart, and with us today we have Jason and Barb Henry. Jason and Barb are church planners who have ministered in the country of Mongolia for over 23 years. They will be sharing today about challenges and highlights from their 20-plus years of ministry experience in Mongolia. And we will also explore what the Lord may have in store for them for the future of their ministry and look at ways that we can pray and partner with them in the work that God has called them to do. Jesus is at work. Let's hear what he's up to. We're here with Jason and Barb Henry today. Jason and Barb have over 20 years of ministry experience in Mongolia. And I'm interested to hear as we begin our interview time today how they got to Mongolia. So Jason, could you share with us how you ended up in Mongolia? Yeah, originally I was a engineering student at Georgia Tech and was studying electrical engineering. And during one of the uh, winter periods, I had received a Keith Green track on why you should go to the mission field, and God used that to plant a seed for moving into missions. And from there, I had uh, dropped out of Georgia Tech and eventually attended uh, Columbia International University for three years, studying Bible and missions. And throughout that time, was uh, introduced to different mission boards, and one of them was uh, Chris Starr. And so I joined Chris Starr when I graduated in 1993 and went through their uh, training and began support raising. And during that uh, month of uh, orientation, we were introduced to different countries that they were working in, and I was interested in Asia and India. And so just through different circumstances, Mongolia was one of the newer countries at the time that was open uh, to missionaries. They had just opened in 1990 to the outside world, and so our uh, eventual teammates, they had gone in 1992, so I had uh, chose Mongolia as the place that I was going to serve and uh, went for the first time in 1995. Wow, wonderful. <clears throat> Barb, how about you? You you ended up in Mongolia as well, not with Jason yet, uh, on your own. How did you get to Mongolia? I'm from Coryville. I went to Solanco High School. And then I went to Ursinus College, graduated um, in 1990 with a degree in biology, and I had no idea what I was going to do. And um, through a friend, I was had the idea of going on uh, a summer missions trip. So I went to Ecuador, and after I came back, I also read the same track Jason did, Keith Green, Why You Should Go to the Mission Field. And we did not know each other. He's from Georgia, so this was kind of interesting when we discovered this later, but um, the Lord used that same thing in my life and also the uh, summer mission trip to start me to think about full-time missions. And I went back to Ecuador the next summer and then Bolivia the following summer. And in the meantime, I was also considering what are steps I need to take to go to the mission field full-time and also went to Columbia Bible College, same, same place Jason went to. 
We were there for one year together, and I was in the graduate program since I already had my four-year degree. Uh, I went there two years and <clears throat> graduated in 1994. The next year, 95. Um, well, okay, also at Columbia, I was exposed to the like unreached people groups, 1040 window, and so I started thinking about Asia, same as Jason, uh, China in particular, but then in 1995, um, I was thinking, well, maybe I should go to on another mission trip, summer mission trip, kind of exploring um, where God might want me to be full-time. And also there was the opportunity to go to Mongolia, but with Pioneers, I went with a different mission group. And that's where Jason and I uh, saw each other and recognized each other from Colombia, but we you know, hadn't met, it, met at, at the Bible school. But we met in Mongolia in the 1995. I came home and wasn't really sure is this where the Lord would have me go full time. But I decided to pray and ask the Lord to open doors or close doors. And I'm going to go, you know, take steps to, to return to Mongolia. And I ended up, um, the Lord felt like he was opening doors, provided for me. And I was able to return in uh, 1997 to Mongolia as a full-time missionary. And that's where we met, you know, like really kind of started hitting it off in 1997. And we got married in 1998. Wow. <laughs> At the Sus Susquehanna State Park. Oh, my. <laughs> back here. Oh, wonderful. So. so here you are, both new on the mission field, um, really just getting your feet wet in full-time missions for the first time. And you meet each other in Mongolia. You recognize each other from school, but you really didn't know each other there. Um uh -huh. What brought you together, and uh, what uh, what made you decide to that early on in your ministry uh, go ahead and just pursue marriage? You must have known right away. We had a, <laughs> a mutual friend that was also from here from Gap, uh, the Berman family, and uh -huh. so through them we knew that each other was in the country. I was heading out of the country on my first furlough, and looked up uh, Barb at that time and got together with her for maybe two weeks mm -hmm. and say just the fact that you know here's somebody that's already serving in Mongolia so that you know has a desire to work in this part of the world and a desire to be a missionary that you know we had the common background of the Columbia Bible College and so we're both interested in yeah, being uh, married so <laughs> some of those things were all you know present yeah. there to make things go a lot quicker than maybe they would have otherwise and both of us wanted to be in rural Mongolia where most missionaries going to Mongolia were headed just I mean to the capital city most of them wanted to live there that was another you know like here we're both wanting to go to the countryside we were with two different mission boards but they're very similar and in fact mm -hmm. Jason were you? We were seconded, you know, to pioneers originally. Yeah, okay. so there was, and then we had a lot of common friends. I mean, it just, and we hit it off, so. <laughs> so looking back, uh, four children later, yeah. uh, all your children born on the mission field? Well, they're, they were born in America. They were born we came in America, back okay. Each, yeah, each yeah. one we came back, but yeah, they were all mm -hmm, born while we were missionaries. <laughs> Has it felt like a blur? They go quick? That, that time, those 20 plus years? Yeah. In some yeah. ways, yeah. It does, yeah. I guess, yeah. Wow. Uh -huh. So here you are in rural Mongolia. 
-hmm. I would have to imagine being from the States, going into, I mean, even though you're maybe both from more rural areas in the States, you're going into another country whose rural looks very different than our rural. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure uh, you're both going as church planners. Uh, There has to be challenges that you faced um, throughout your first 20 some years on the field. Mm -hmm. What are some of those challenges? What did they look like? Uh, What did they feel like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. So I was a suburb of Atlanta. So it was uh, from whatever, a regular sized town, but had also uh, was a picky eater, did not uh, eat vegetables <laughs> and whatnot, and went to Mongolia and ended up being a vegetable f- farmer. So our, our, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, our teammates, uh, the, Tom and Lisa Phillips, they, along with us, in 1996, we started a for-profit uh, foreign investment business to give us a long-term platform for being in the country, and that was a yeah, produce company or vegetable farming company. So we've been doing that since 1996, mm-hmm. and uh, growing potatoes and r- different root root crops. So yeah, part of the challenges have been not having any agriculture background, learning to do that, and learning to run a business, do taxes and accounting, and uh, just dealing with the local workers and you know our employees and all of those type of issues and keeping that going for these 20 plus years sounds like a big challenge i'm sure taxes and business operations work a lot differently in mongolia than the united states and so i'm sure that there were many challenges and all of that so yeah absolutely barb are there any challenges that stuck out to you over that time and i mean the first obvious one that came to my mind was the language, of course, oh. and culture. But then more specific would be, um, especially when we first got there, but this is ongoing, uh, a lot of, when we got there, there were a lot of um, people in great need, you know, financially or whatever. And so there a lot of people would come to our door asking for many different types of things. So it was hard to know, and still is, what's the wise thing to do? What's the loving thing that God would have us to do. Is it always to give what they're asking for? No, but, you know, to be wise, it's hard. It's still, we've lived there so long to know, first of all, is someone telling the truth? You know, do they want this because they actually want to go buy vodka? Or, Mm. you know, Mm. know, trying to discern. And even if you do give, maybe they do need um, flour or something, but then is it helping them or not? You know, it's the same thing here with the poor. Mm-hmm. And and we are, I mean, hopefully we want to err on being um, compassionate. Mm-hmm. And I think we do, but then, and it can be a, an area of contention between Jason and I too, because we don't agree on, you know, well, you said you weren't going to give to that guy because he, um, <laughs> he, you know, goes, he's an alcoholic, you know, right, whatever. Right. And, you know, we make a lot of mistakes, but it's okay. it's really, that's, a, that, that's one of the challenges. It's gotten... I mean, their economic situation is better than what it was, but there's still a lot of people coming, and um, yeah, that's one of the challenges that is ongoing. Sounds challenging, being able to discern the need and uh, mm-hmm. know how to really walk alongside of those needs yeah. and those people, and yeah, that absolutely would be a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that uh, along with some of those, there were many victories over the years as well. A lot of things that you definitely were watching God's 
hand accomplished through your ministry and through your time together. What are uh, some things that maybe stood out for you over the years that you were like, this was really neat to see the way Jesus worked in this way through our ministry? Yeah, the one uh, family that we've talked about in the past or through our prayer letters, uh, the husband was Gunnarik and the wife, Unnarbayer, and they both uh, since uh, died and uh, gone to heaven. They, but then they had uh, five sons, and three of them have uh, believed and were initially living yeah, in our town. One of them is our one of our uh, full-time employees, and the other, Gambater, is one who we've mentioned in our letters is attending Bible school in the capital right now and is in his third of four years. And so just uh, mainly seeing uh, Gambater, and he has been married now for seven, seven years or so, and his wife uh, and their desire to work in the countryside. And we were recently you know, talking with some other uh, missionary friends about their desire to come back and how rare that is that often when rural uh, nationals you know, go to the, the big city or the capital for a different type of ministry trainings and whatnot that they often don't come back to the smaller towns because employment opportunities are less or just, it's just, you know, there's the attraction of those cities is uh, high. So the fact that they desire and have that's always been their desire to come back and to serve the, the church in Tossin Single has been an encouragement and to see their maturing over the years and their uh, triumphing, triumphing in over a great tragedy. Their uh, son, who was three. three years at the time, had uh, died tragically mm-hmm. and they, uh, you know, Grew stronger in their faith. They you know, persevered through that, and that was also that was pretty much the catalyst that, because there was a big life change at that point. To uh, to uh, he he was employed with uh, World Vision, so he had a a good job for our town. Had been employed with them for a number of years, and uh, voluntarily left that and picked up, you know, and moved to the capital for these years. So that was. That tragedy also brought about their uh, plans to study the Bible at the mm-hmm. Bible school there, and to uh, again they've been coming back in the summertime, and are still planning to come back here the following summer. It's wonderful. When I guess when we think about uh, rural Mongolia, we should probably put that into some kind of context. Uh, about what is it the, about the size of the community that you minister to? In right, for our town is actually one of the larger rural towns, but it's a maybe eight thousand people in the town and ten thousand in the count the county. So the countryside areas where the herders are living, an average town is maybe more two to three thousand people in size, and then the towns are spread apart. So between us and the next town, downriver is you know twenty miles. Upriver is you know, 35 miles, and usually there's you know, nothing in between. Wow. And what would be the primary um, economic um, like uh, profession? Uh, how are people making their money in rural Mongolia? Right. I mean, there's always, <clears throat> regardless of where you're at, there's the herders, so they're doing their animal husbandry, you know, raising sheep, goats, cows, and uh, horses. 
so they have cashmere goats is what they're known for. So they you know comb the goats for cashmere, the other animals for uh, for meat, and then milk products. And milk products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ours town specifically had a large wood factory that uh, before we got there under communism had sounded like you know it ran 24 hours a day, was supplied all the wood and like raw lumber and finished products, furniture to the western half of the country. And then since 1990 and since we arrived, it had all kind of gone bankrupt. And then over the years, a lot of uh, private small uh, sawmills popped up. So there's 30 to 40 little sawmills, a lot of carpenters. So there's a lot of wood trade. Mm-hmm. And then our also area of the country is known for its uh, wild berries. So in the summertime, a lot of the town goes off to the forest and picks berries and you know, does that for four to six weeks. And uh, and sells them and makes a lot of, they make a lot of money. Off the berries, wow. Blueberries and then something like a cranberry and then some other ones too. Wow. And then just your average town, the government employs quite a lot of people through the mm. schools and just the regular police, police fire, mm. uh, prosecutor, judge, office, hospital, kindergartens, those type of things employ a lot of the town. Wow. In in light of that, in that context, how do the people in your specific area where you're ministering, how do they view the church? I mean, is it something that is, is there's some social pressure to be a part of? Is it something that is just kind of... Um, uh, if you want to choose to do it, you choose to do it. Is there another predominant religion that kind of controls um, that area? Where's Where's the church in all of this? Yeah, Mongolians are traditionally Tibetan Buddhist, and so there's a Buddhist monastery in our town. But their Buddhism is very, I say, it's laced with superstition and just other traditional animistic religious beliefs. So it's not something that they practice on a day-to-day basis, or they don't. They it's more of a they're looking on how to manipulate the spirits, or so they would go to the monastery if there's some kind of crisis, or they're looking for an auspicious day to have a wedding or to you know if somebody's sick. But because of uh, it's a small country population-wise, and it's a very nomadic country in that people are constantly going back and forth to the city, so they're not isolated, that what goes on in the capital, and Christianity has really blossomed a lot in the capital, a lot of churches there, and along with that, there's been a lot of uh, cults and a lot of, say, tragic things have occurred under the name of Christianity Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily... You know, true Christianity, but all of that gets put in the papers and on the news, so everybody has some kind of connection. There's often people from the, the towns, as they're uh, college age, they go to the city, they go to college, they get, have some kind of exposure to uh, churches, and some of them come back and you know are looking for a, a church or a Christians in the town where they maybe grew up. A lot of them you know, stay in the capital and the so Christianity, I think, is well-known, but it's it's all viewed through the worldview, the lenses of a, a Buddhist. So they're looking at it either as this is a foreign god or this is how these people are attempting to manipulate the spirits or to have a healthy and wealthy mm-hmm. life. They're not 
normally they're not concerned with their sin, they're not concerned with the afterlife and you know how to better position themselves for that. It's more their worldview is looking at the here and now and how to better better themselves for tomorrow. Wow. And so here you guys are serving in this country where um, the influence of Buddhism is is probably you know all around you and and you're raising your family there. And so Barb, maybe could you could we pause and look back at uh, the challenges again and maybe talk about maybe what some of the unique challenges were for you as a family raising your children uh, in this culture um, mm-hmm. in Mongolia. <clears throat> well. I homeschool the children, and um, so they were at home a lot. Um, and it, uh, they've, they've done well learning the language just by hanging out with their friends, you know, in the in the neighborhood mostly, and some with children that went to the church. Um, I'm trying to think, what are some challenges? Probably, and some of our children later, as they got older said, hey, why weren't we, why didn't you take us, why didn't you put us in the school system? Because mm. then I would have learned the language better or maybe would mm. have felt more um, connected with people. And just, it's a, just with logistically, I guess, it's a very cold country mm. and you have to walk the kids to school and, or, you know, they have to walk to school and we live on the outskirts of the town. Okay. I mean, and they do it. The Mongolians all do it, but they oftentimes have somebody that's at the home watching the other kids because then we had, you know, but we, we just, we didn't even really consider it a whole lot of t- sending the children to school. Um, <clears throat> partly because, you know, we didn't know, like, is, would they then be able to come back here and fit into if they want to go to college or whatever. Um, did they have to navigate, uh, at some point, I'm assuming they did, each one of them have to navigate those, those worldview clashes you know, where obviously a, a, a Buddhist worldview is, is going to look very different than a biblical worldview. So in your home, you probably had to really press back or, you know, lean into that biblical worldview as opportunity presented. I'm not sure with the children. I can't think of an example other than, so we, Jason built a, or put a basketball little court, you know, basketball and so that opened up a lot of opportunities for children. They they loved it. They wanted to come, and and I was kind of the police like sometimes trying to <laughs> because people would start fighting or whatever and throwing stones, and I'm like, okay, no. go out of the yard, please. You can't do that in our yard, or I don't know, try to help them. But uh, or sometimes too many kids at the same time, or like the older guys would make the girls go away, or you know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think just being exposed, same as here mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Buddhist or not, but people swearing or kids smoking or, you know, or drinking. I mean, and they, these were high school or younger kids, too, and then being around our children. But um, I don't know. Do you have just any examples? Kids walking up the mountain, some of them. Yeah. I mean, we live right on the edge of town, and there's a nice mountain that we take hikes up. And I know, I think our kids would say we would invite the neighbor kids to come sometimes, and, like, they had never hiked up them because I don't know uh, if it was a, uh, there's some kind of a fear yeah fear of something or another but, you know to us it was because they're out in the countryside all the time the Mongolians but you know they asking them had they ever gone to the top of the mountain and you know they had so I mean that w- 
I think the kids aren't as steeped in the Buddhism, so as far as them interacting with our kids and there being different kind of clashes, that didn't, doesn't show up as much. But they sometimes, though, our kids would bring back stories that, oh, we didn't know that. You know, one was they went on a little hike and it was getting dark and the Mongolian kids like were saying, we need to go back. It's getting dark. There's some monster coming out at when it's soon as the you know sun goes down. And we hadn't, you know, we hadn't heard about that. So, and so definitely there was some difference in traditions mm-hmm. and um, stories that maybe were told to Mongolian children that your children would not have had knowledge of, but then as they spent time together with, they would experience some of those different mm-hmm. realities. And so I'm sure along with the challenges, um, too, for you as well, Barb, there were some areas of victory, things that you were just really encouraged by over the years. Um, maybe mm-hmm. uh, share with us a few of those. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so in our group of believers there in our town, there are, I think, four or five um, college-age girls, and they started out following Jesus um, when they were in high school and, and coming to our meetings and youth groups and doing different activities with us, um, some of them just for one or two years before then they went to college. And they so there's three, I think, right, that maybe are in the same class. that They graduated together. They're really close. And then... Uh, they left for the city, Ulaanbaatar, together. And, you know, when you go to the city, it's there's a lot of temptations and different situations. You're apart, you're away, same here, you're away from your family <clears throat> or your church family. So we were hoping that they would continue to follow the Lord. Also, there's a lot of, as Jason said, churches in the, in the capital that really aren't um, teaching the Bible accurately you know it's more like prosperity gospel and so we were really excited that it's as far as we know that those girls are continuing to follow the lord and grow in their faith and um they in, with their church their, the church that they're involved with um <clears throat> is very like um uh, evangelistic and going to different places in mongolia reaching out to people with the gospel and they've been active in that and so we're excited. I'm encouraged to see their faith grow here. And they're, they're actually, those three girls are graduating or did graduate this year. And then there's other, two other ones that are still, um, yeah, they're in college too. So um, that was an, an encouragement. Another one that we just, this has just happened recently. We talked to our teammates about um, a young lady who we, had contact with maybe eight or ten years ago and not very much contact but we know who she is and she was just a a very vibrant person um mongolians tend to be more reserved but i remember she really enjoyed her so this past couple months um she was around her aunt who is a believer and heard about the gospel through her aunt and then well this is while we have been in mongolia she found out about our teammates and has been meeting with them regularly to study the Bible. And during one of those meetings, they were talking about the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. And her name is Salonk. So Salonk was like, well, how can my sins be forgiven? So it's just wow. Mongolians. <laughs> it's, it's very usually a very slow process between understanding who is the creator God 
and what is sin and you know just is very slow but it seemed like God was really um, opening her heart uh, to the gospel and and she was asking the questions oftentimes that doesn't happen right. and so that was really to hear that was so encouraging that and that's when they shared the gospel and she at that point believed in Jesus and is uh, and she just they said she's very uh, sincere or you know just it's it seems yeah and she's open I guess in sharing her faith or just her she's encouraging to hear how God's opening her eyes so it's wonderful yeah. somebody with such vibrancy coming to know Jesus and Jesus being able to work through that person's life to influence other people as well um, just based off of her personality and being, you know, willing yeah. to speak like that. and Wonderful. So you're here in the States for a little bit, and you've mm -hmm. been here for uh, about the past six or eight months. Is that it's about December. the window? We came in it's December. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, right around that window of time, and we're looking forward to what the Lord has in store for you in the future. Do you have any details or updates for us today on this? Yeah, we're <clears throat> there's just a number of different... Uh, issues coming, you know, together and our circumstances. And so one is our ages of our uh, children. And then we mentioned uh, Gumbacher and he's, well, Lord willing, be returning to Tossin Single in the summer of 2021. And uh, this past winter, we had heard that there was going to be issues with renewing our uh, business visa. But then since then, just Last week, our teammates told us that maybe all of that had been reversed, and those that no longer is an issue for having a, our business uh, permission renewed. But uh, regardless, you know, we're at this point uh, have tickets to return at the end of August, and are return to Mongolia. To return to Mongolia, yeah, at the end of August, and are planning to be there till the summer of 2021. And uh, are planning at this point to, uh, with our teammates, we'll be closing the business at the end of this calendar year, and we're expecting to come back to America uh, semi-permanently. Our teammates are hoping to continue living in Tossin Single for a few more years under a different uh, means. And so we're looking at it like three different stages of the next year, which we'll finish our furlough time here and then be in Mongolia till 2021 and then be in America based here in Lancaster for <clears throat> at least two years until our youngest uh, daughter, Rachel, graduates from high school and then the period after that. And so we're yeah, seeking God's uh, direction for both that two-year time as far as what we'll be doing here in Lancaster and then in the future and are still yeah we're open to being over being overseas but under what capacity or where or whether we're continue in some way to return to Mongolia for short-term trips uh, that's all options that are before us wonderful so also an opportunity for us to pray together with you as well as you seek the Lord's wisdom and guidance for what the next steps would be um, just an opportunity to pray and um, 
perhaps uh, even partner with you in some unique ways through this season? Is there anything that you can think of that might help us partner together with you uh, through the next season that the Lord's calling you to? Again, like you said, to be praying for God's guidance and wisdom. And if you, any of you here, or maybe the Lord put something on your heart for some ideas, maybe something here in Lancaster for the two years, there's a lot of ministries here reaching out to immigrants, refugees, or other people. I feel like, my, me personally, I still have a heart for um, international people. And... So, if, yeah, let us know if you have hear of anything or okay. um, that would be helpful. Certainly. The United mm -hmm. States is, again, drawing people from so many various backgrounds mm -hmm. um, and different cultures. Uh, and many are coming to the States not knowing the language, um, the English language. And so the opportunities really seem to be growing even here in the States to do cross-cultural ministry in a way that maybe never yeah. Uh, could have been imagined before. So um, outstanding. Continue to pray with you and um, seek ways that the Lord may be moving and uh, look forward to hearing what the next leg of your journey is going to be over the next few years as God continues to uh, guide and direct you in the future ministry that he's called you to. So thanks so much for coming in today and for sharing and uh, being willing to just open up about all the wonderful things that the Lord's done and also some of the challenges mm -hmm. that you have faced in Mongolia. And uh, would you mind if I close our time in prayer today? Is that all right? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Lord, thank you so much for the Henrys, uh, for Jason, for Barb and their family, and for the work that you have done in their life over uh, the great tenure that you have given them in Mongolia. And they are looking forward to what you have in store in the future as well. And Lord, we pray your guidance upon them as they go and they look to begin to wind down the business that they've had there for many years. I just pray you would give them direction and wisdom as they do that. And I pray that you would continue to um, make clear for them what you may be calling them to in the future. And Lord, we celebrate with them the work that you are doing through them and look forward to continued partnership in their future ministry endeavors. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jason and Barb. Appreciate you being here today and look forward to seeing you and talking to you again soon. Thank you.